Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning! Yeah, yeah, yeah! It's time to wake up. <laughs> it's five. We're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports on 95.7. The game. Come on! Yes, sir. Family, Stephen Langford here with you. There are a lot of, of emotions for the Warriors last night. Obviously, assistant coach Mike Gra- Mike Brown got hired by the Sacramento Kings and will be their head coach next season. Steve Kerr tests positive for COVID, and we find out just a few hours before the game that that was going to happen and that Mike Brown was going to step in after the news of his hiring from the Kings. And then you also had the tragic passing of Draymond Green's teammate and roommate when he was playing at Michigan State, Adrian Payne, who was tragically killed yesterday. So a lot of emotions running through this team. And... They know that without home court advantage, this was going to be a crucial game. Going to Memphis, having to play the next, after this one, having to play the next two out of three in Memphis, if you're tied 2-2, understanding how important it is to have won this game, I couldn't believe that they did it, but they managed to come through and it ended on this play by one Draymond Green. Clutch free throws for Steph Curry, 19.5. Grizzlies don't call time. 98-95 Warriors. Jones to the front court. Handoff Jackson. Takes a dribble. Takes about a 30-footer. No good. Rebound goes to Curry. He's fouled by Jackson. There was contact. Draymond Green might have gotten a piece of that. And now Curry comes over and listen to this crowd here at Chase Center. 9.7 to go. You know, I saw a lot of... Let's just give a take on that really quick. At the end, Tim Roy mentions the crowd, and the crowd really got going. And I saw on social media... I wasn't posting a lot yesterday. I wasn't wasn't doing a lot of the the retweeting or the posting. So I was just lurking. I was a lurker. 
as a lot of us do on Twitter. But I was lurking through it, and I saw a bunch of people going at the crowd at Chase Center saying, this will never be Oracle, blah, 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 blah. I think we all know that now. It feels like that's low-hanging fruit. Of course it won't be Oracle. They're two completely different stadiums. As I point... Arenas, excuse me. And as I pointed out, it's like... The little brother and the big brother, as far as Oracle and Chase Center. The big brother and the little brother. The big brother is normally the one who starts off playing sports. And then when his career is over, the little brother comes in. The big brother has had the experience. The little brother hasn't yet. They're still getting used to it. So really, I understand where all the criticism comes from, but... I think we are also looking back at those times at Oracle, and it was just totally different as far as the expectations for the team. Because when the team is clanking, like the Warriors were doing yesterday, missing their first 15 shots, and it wasn't just it wasn't just the Warriors, by the way. It was the Grizzlies, too. The Grizzlies were terrible. I mean, they were 0 of 10 from 3, the Warriors were, in the first quarter. The Grizzlies weren't much better. They were 2 of 11 from 3. So neither team was giving the crowd anything to be interested in. And I know we always want to go at the crowd and talk about how it used to be, but I do think we are... We need a little bit of revisionist history here because I do remember times when Oracle would be silent (laughs) <laughs> I, I do remember that. When the team really started to get good, when they when they weren't any good and the expectations were low and anything that was happening, of course, it was loud as hell. Like it was it was Oracle Arena. Even back when, you know, I started going to games a little more frequently back in two thousand nine, two thousand and ten. And even then, like that when the team was not very good, you know, when Ekpeyudo would get a dunk, everyone would go crazy. But I just think we're going a little too hard at the Chase Center crowd because the Warriors were not giving you a lot to cheer about last night. They were turning the ball over, taking careless shots, and defensively, I thought they were playing all right, actually, but the Grizzlies just weren't doing anything either. So there really wasn't a lot of intrigue to this game. But then the fourth quarter happens, and what happens in the fourth quarter is the Grizzlies were missing John Morant. That's it. Like, if they could have some sort of strategy within the first three quarters, just keep John Moran on the bench, then bring him into the fourth quarter. Because from my vantage point, and the reason why they were so good when he was gone 20-5 and when John Moran didn't play this season, it had to have been the defense and what they were able to do there. Because I thought they were a lot better defensively. John Moran, not very good guarding the perimeter. But they have three different guys from that starting lineup in Tyus Jones, Dylan Brooks, and Desmond Bain who can all switch, who keep their hands active. And then not to mention you got Kyle Anderson coming off the bench who also can guard the perimeter as well. So they got plenty of guys who could stop the three-pointer. I know a lot of it was the Warriors and the mistakes that they were making, just careless turnovers, but you also got to give the Grizzlies' defense credit, too. But they looked like a totally different defense in the way that they were contesting shots. It felt like they were getting into every passing lane. Now, the Warriors did have some bad passes, by the way. We, we, don't, we don't put enough into that, and I think Draymond 
when he did his podcast and he was talking about that play where it was Andrew Wiggins and then Jordan Poole and then it was back to Wiggins in the corner. Like he was mentioning the terrible passes that everyone was making on that specific play and they were all shoestring passes. That's what was that's what was happening in this game. It felt like there were a lot of passes that just weren't directly in the chest. So they'd get out of rhythm and you try and take a three in a situation that just wasn't going to work. But when you run the play clock out and the ball's given to you and you only got five seconds left, I mean, you got to put up the shot. So there was a lot of that yesterday, but really it was the defense down down the stretch in the fourth quarter and Steph Curry deciding to get to the line. That was the difference to me. They were forcing him into some bad shots. Dylan Brooks... Man, that game yesterday from Dylan Brooks was brutal. Now, I don't know if they were asking this in the postgame. I don't know if the boos had coerced Dylan Brooks into shooting those threes. I'd like to think so. But man, he was just forcing everything. And even when they'd get him an open look, Taylor Jenkins just kept going to him and saying, yeah, we're going to run this play for Dylan Brooks. And then in the final minute, you had that play where he's trying to go to the hoop and Klay Thompson just swats it away. Then on the other end, the Warriors get free throws from Jordan Poole. And then he takes that terrible three where they go on the other end and again, get free throws. Like It was just awful for Dylan Brooks throughout the game. Then Jared Jackson Jr. has to rush off to get a three. Draymond Green gets the swat away. And then Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins in that fourth quarter was fantastic. He was actually, I thought he was pretty active all night as far as uh, on the glass and everything that he was doing, rebounding and playing defense. Yet again, another fantastic rebounding night. As a matter of fact, this was the best rebounding night that he'd had so far in the playoffs. He had 10 of them, 5 of them on defense and 5 of them on offense which is really unheard of for Andrew Wiggins. But defensively, he was fantastic. And I don't know, we always talk about this and we always say this, put some respect on Andrew Wiggins' name. Because in the fourth quarter, the Grizzlies just kept going at him. And Wiggins was living up to the challenge, living up to his name as a guy who's a good two-way player. He's been doing it all series. I don't know why they kept going at Andrew Wiggins. He was clearly stopping them. Now, what other options do they have? I mean, when those other guys are on the floor, they got some pretty good defenders there when they got Wiggins, Clay, Otto Porter Jr., and Steph and Draymond on the court. I do think that, but figure out something else, Taylor Jenkins. Well, I could not believe they finished this game and actually got the win. I did not think they were going to get the win. It just felt sluggish throughout the game, especially in the second half. I, I was hoping after that slow first half, you know, they'd regroup, they'd gather they'd gather their thoughts, they'd gather their emotions, because emotions were running high to start off this game. And not even to mention, out of all those things, after what happened with Steve Kerr and Mike Brown, and also with Draymond Green, everything that's happening there, not to mention the last game at Chase Center that you're going to have 
at least for this se- uh, for not well not for the series, but this last game at Chase Center before you go to Memphis, knowing that you could go up three one. Not only that, but Dylan Brooks returning to the arena. Also, I'm sure emotions were running high with the thought of that. Just everything. I thought they were going to regroup in that first half. But then they came out sluggish in the second half. And it's just, you're going into the fourth quarter thinking, all right, well, what's, it don't, it don't look very promising here. Like, how are they going to impact this game? How are they going to change things up? And what they did was they just got Steph to the line. And he was knocking down all of his free throws. That was the biggest disparity in last night's game. Because three-pointers, they knocked down the same amount. The Grizzlies were 9 of 35, the Warriors were 9 of 37, and the Warriors' threes came at a better time than the Grizzlies' threes did. The Warriors shot 40% overall from the field, the Grizzlies shot 41. The Warriors out-rebounded the Grizzlies 54-48, to I'm actually going to get to that in the next segment because there are a couple other numbers that stand out as well, but the free throw numbers, the Warriors were 20 of 22 while the Grizzlies were 9 of 15. That's an 11-point difference within the free throws. Now, that's not the only reason the Warriors won, because a majority of those did come there in the fourth quarter. But that was the big difference. Both teams had 29 assists, or 25 assists, excuse me. Grizzlies had 10 steals. Warriors had 6. Grizzlies had 11 blocks. The Warriors had 7. Grizzlies had 12 turnovers. The Warriors had 16. And the Warriors only, by the way, scored 11 points off those turnovers. So it's not like there was a big disparity in those numbers. And by the way, the Grizzlies won in the points in the paint battle, 56-42. to They started Jonathan Kaminga again. The Warriors did while the Grizzlies combated that with Steven Adams. So they decided they were going to go with two of their bigger guys instead of going small. And I thought that it was playing to their advantage. I thought Steven Adams was very strong in the paint. But it just wasn't enough in the fourth quarter. So I think that that was just a game where it's the playoffs. Like, this doesn't have anything to do with how they'll play in the series. Of course, turnovers. You're going to want to correct those. It's kind of like the fouls. Remember the fouls in the Nuggets series? We were saying that the fouls are the issue, but it wasn't just the fouls. It was who was getting the fouls because it would always be Steph, Clay, and Dre. And it'd always be the timing of the fouls. They'd be getting those fouls in very early in the game. But it's the turnovers that are happening early in these games. I mean, when you have double-digit turnovers in the first quarter, that's not sustainable. Certainly not. But this is the type of game where you just throw it away. Throw it away. You're happy that you won. I mean, the Warriors only had six turnovers in the first in the first uh, in the first quarter compared to the first quarter in that last game where they had ten. It was it was terrible. But I'm not going to look at this game and think, oh yeah. They're going to lose this series, or they're going to lose the next series. I'm just glad they won it. And they're up 3-1 right now, with the next two out of the three possibly being played in Memphis. they got to close out there, and then they could possibly come back and win a game six. If they lose this next one, they can win it at Chase Center. That was just a huge win overall. But coming up next, I want to get to some of these numbers here because the rebounding numbers in this this series 
are staggering when you look at it and how they're in favor of the Warriors. Plus, Otto Porter Jr. and the impact that he's had on this team. If you're just watching and you're you're using the eye test and you're thinking Otto Porter Jr. has been huge for this team, well, I've got the numbers to back it up because Otto Porter Jr., obviously being the first one to knock down a three yesterday, he has been fantastic in this series. So we will get to all that next. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Thompson on the right wing. Screen by Otto Porter Jr. Thompson back up top to Otto. Good catch on a bad pass. Takes the shot and nails a three straight on. Finally, the Warriors get a three. It's 35-31, and the Memphis Grizzlies want to talk it over. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Only took 15 of them to finally hit their first three. (laughs) That was just terrible. Terrible the way the Warriors started out that game. But the only thing that matters is they got a W. They are up 3-1. And this isn't the regular season. They win 101-98. to This isn't the regular season where we look at this game and think, oh man, how are they going to fare like this in the playoffs? What are they going to do down the stretch? This needs to change moving forward. They got to correct this. Like we know who this team is. Of course they're got they've got to correct the three-pointers and knock them down and of course they need to correct the turnovers. But this is the sort of series where now that you're in the second round, now that you're in the conference semifinals and you go up 3-1, you don't even look at this game to try and read into what's going to happen in the next game or the next series. This is one where it was just you grind it out. I mean, this reminds me this is kind of like a kind of game like a Game of Thrones episode because there would be some of them where throughout I mean there's some of them like game 3 where throughout they're just 
exciting. Everything's going right. You just can't take your eyes off of it. But there are also some of those Game of Thrones episodes where it would start off incredibly slow. And you're just wondering, like, when is this going to end? How is this going to end? And then at the end, they'd hit you with something that kind of makes up for the entirety of the episode. That's what this game was with the Warriors last night. And Otto Porter Jr. was the first one to hit a three. And I do want to focus on him as well as Andrew Wiggins but in just, in just a second. But I do want to get to your text here. If you'd like to weigh in at the Xfinity Mobile text line, 888 is the number. From the 5 one that was one of those games where you take the W and happily move on. I'm not reading anything into that game, good or bad. We are one win away from the Western Conference Finals, and that's all that matters. That's from the 5 one From the 925, good thing the fans and the crowd really don't matter if we're being honest. I disagree with that 925 because I started off talking about people's criticism of Chase Center and the crowd. I do think that it's up to the player to spur on something for the crowd. Now, some of these, some games, I mean, especially when it comes to the finals, like, Okay, you got to be loud the entire time. But if it's the Western Conference semis and it's in Game 3 and you start off hot, the crowd's, I mean, booing Dylan Brooks like crazy. But then they clank the first 15 three-pointers. You eventually need the players to do something to get the crowd going, right? But when the crowd gets going, that's when the players start to feed off of it. So I disagree that the crowd doesn't matter. I do think that these players feed off of it. But last night, I do think that the team needed to give them a little more something to cheer about as opposed to them just creating it out of thin air. That's really, really hard to do, especially when both teams are played the way, the way that they're doing it. From the 408, does not matter how we won. We won during this time of year. That's all that matters. That win was crucial. While everyone is tied 2-2 in all the series, that's Bay and 408, the only team that's 3-1. That's a very great point. From the nine two, from the nine five two. Wow, what was up with Pool? He was just passing the ball. Felt like he was told just pass it, create opportunities. I'm not going to just go on to say, oh yeah, he was told to just pass it because he did not have a very good shooting night. Maybe he just wasn't feeling it. You know, I, I mean, I mean, Jordan Pool shooting the basketball was not very efficient uh, coming off the bench in his 32 minutes. He only took 12 shots and he made four and he had 14 points, but six of them came on free throws. And that layup at the end of the game, whoo wee! That Wiggins block that led to the Pool layup that was huge. And for the nine two five, this is great. Calm down, Jabroni. They beat the Grizzlies. <laughs> Yeah, I'll calm down. I'll calm down from a game four when the Grizzlies have home court advantage. Uh, But I want to talk about one Otto Porter Jr. Because I think Otto Porter Jr. has been fantastic uh, in this series. I I really do. A lot of people are getting on him because the shot wasn't falling. And I was saying that, look, if the shot... If we're complaining about Otto Porter Jr. and saying that he needs to make shots... That means that the stars in Steph, Jordan Poole, 
Clay Thompson. That means those guys are having poor shooting nights. So that's overall not a good sign if you are trying to get Otto Porter Jr. to be the one to bring you back with the three-pointer. And that's what you needed last night in Game 4, and he delivered. But he's been doing it with his rebounding, with his defensive presence, and I got the numbers to back it up here because these are staggering when it comes to the on-court, off-court numbers with Otto Porter Jr. But Mike Brown, after the game, as he was the fill-in for Steve Kerr, Warriors assistant coach, going to be the new head coach with the Sacramento Kings. Mike Brown stepped in as Steve Kerr tested positive for COVID. And here's what Mike Brown had to say uh, about uh, about Otto Porter Jr. Otto, you know, his feel for the game, his intelligence is at a really high level. And we always feel like we can plug him in as a starter. We can plug him in coming off the bench and he's going to give us size. He's going to help us space the floor because of his ability to shoot. He's going to take care of the ball. But the biggest thing, he can guard multiple positions. If he's guarding a bigger guy, he's great putting a body on a body and keeping his man off the glass so somebody else can get it. So the versatility that he brings to the table for us is much needed, especially at his size, because we we play small a lot. And he has been rebounding like a madman any one of those long rebounds those 50 50 balls those one that clank and go back to damn near the free throw line Otto porter jr has been very active and when i was looking at the on court off court stats yesterday my mind was blown now on court off court stats you could take them with a grain of salt if you want but i feel like these last four games you can get a pretty good sample size here now, in total, when Steph is off the court, we've been talking about the Steph off-court minutes because whenever Steph was off the court with this previous regime here for the last two seasons in a, with a non-playoff team, whenever Steph was off the court, that's when things would just be abysmal, especially last year. Like, the team would lose leads. It would just be awful, especially when, you know, he'd uh, he'd sit to start the second quarter. Like, that was when his minutes were regular, and he'd start out the entirety of the first quarter, sit the beginning of the second, then also uh, sitting the end of the, or uh, sitting the beginning of the fourth. That's when things would go horribly wrong for the Warriors, and they'd need to come back. That was a big issue with this team last year. But Steph, when he's off the court, the Warriors right now are a plus 22. So let's use that as the barometer here. They're a plus 22 when Steph is off the court. It's not to say they're a better team when Steph's off the court. It just so happens that other guys are stepping up, like Jordan Poole, like Otto Porter Jr. Because when Otto Porter Jr. is off the court, they're a minus 24. A minus 24 Overall, and conversely, when he's on the court, Otto Porter Jr., that is, he's leading the team in plus minus when he's on the court. He is a plus 53 overall in this series right now. Next up is Jordan Poole, who has a, who's at a plus 50. Then Andrew Wiggins at plus 18. Draymond Green at plus 17. Klay Thompson at plus 10. And Stephen Curry at plus 7. Like, that's how valuable Otto Porter Jr. is. Now, again, take that with a grain of salt because it's just stats after all, right? And But the eye test tells you that Otto Porter Jr. is making an impact when he's been on the court. Now, granted, those minutes are far fewer than Poole, Wiggins, Green, Thompson, and Curry. 
I mean, he hasn't even had 100 minutes yet so far in this series. He's got 94 in total. But the fact that they are a plus 53 in those 94 minutes, my goodness. The team, their three-point shooting goes up when he's on the court. Their three-point percentage is just as good as when anyone else is on the court because he creates chances. And it's also the rebounding. The rebounding numbers for this team, not just Otto Porter Jr., but the rebounding numbers as far as the last four games are as follows. The Grizzlies have 174 compared to the Warriors, who have 196. 174 and 196. They're out-rebounding them by 22 rebounds. Now, on the offensive glass, the Grizzlies do have 46 compared to the Warriors' 44. But they've been out-rebounding the Grizzlies every single game, and a large part of that is due to Otto Porter Jr. and Andrew Wiggins. Both of those guys coming off the bench, or at least not Andrew Wiggins, but Otto Porter Jr. And Andrew Wiggins, when he would have his time and he'd sit and come back, whatever. In his minutes on the court, they are valuable. And that's why you're not seeing Kaminga, after getting that starting job again in this game, you only saw him got five, you only saw him got five minutes. Because you only saw him get five minutes because Otto Porter Jr. is simply playing too well. He's just playing with too much energy. He's rebounding. He's doing everything that is asked of him. And also, he's knocking down threes. I mean, he was four of six yesterday with 12 points. All four of his shots that were made were three-pointers, and they were huge in that game. But then you also got Andrew Wiggins, and then there's Draymond Green, because I want to focus on those plays next. The final minute of that fourth quarter for the Grizzlies was Dreadful after Steph was constantly going in for free throws and knocking them down. But I do think it's in large part due to Andrew Wiggins and the defense of Draymond Green. We'll get everyone's reaction to that, including Taylor Jenkins, Mike Brown, Jaron Jackson Jr., everybody for that final play of the game, which really sealed it for the Warriors in their 101-98 to win over the Grizzlies. We'll get to all that next. 888-957-9570 is, of course, the phone number and the Xfinity mobile text line if you want to weigh in. So far, who has been your MVP for the Warriors after these four games? I'm very curious. At 888-957-9570, who has been your MVP for this Warriors team? Because I got someone on the text line here who had an interesting suggestion. We'll get to that next. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Clutch free throws for Steph Curry, 19.5. Grizzlies don't call time. 98-95 Warriors. Jones to the front court. Hand off Jackson. Takes a dribble. Takes about a 30-footer. No good. Rebound goes to Curry. He's fouled by Jackson. There was contact. Draymond Green might have gotten a piece of that. And now Curry comes over and listen to this crowd here at Chase Center. 9.7 to go. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Huh. Warriors not having a fantastic shooting night. Draymond Green had five fouls. You're getting into the hands of the big man to get him to create some sort of shot. 
so that you can do something in the final minutes of the game to keep your team in it. That sounds familiar. Did, did that did that happen in this series? Jeff Green to throw it in front court left. So Michael Malone designs something here. Jokic screens, then pops out to the wing and gets the ball. Guarded by Draymond. Jokic dribbles middle. Knocked away. Stolen by Draymond. He picked his pocket on the break over to Poole. Poole gets fouled wow. with 31.8 to go. Draymond Green. What an incredible defensive play. He just stole it from the MVP with a game on the line. Wow. Mm. Now, it wasn't necessarily the same play because it was Draymond going one-on-one with the now MVP, Nikola Jokic. And this time, Jaron Jackson Jr. was more rushed to get a shot off because they needed a three, and he was double-teamed. But really, it was Draymond who came up with the big stop, getting a hand on the ball. And the Warriors would go on to win this one. It wouldn't have been a three-point deficit. Jaron Jackson Jr. actually said uh, after the game, because he looked down at the stat sheet when he went to the press conference table, and he had 21 points, but he only made it on 21, only had it on 21 shots, and he was 0 of 7 from three. And he said after he looked down at the stat sheet that if he would have made a three, that could have made the difference in the game, which is true. But then he's like, oh, it was 101 to 98. But Dylan Brooks made a three-pointer with like 0.8 seconds left. So really, it would have been a 101 to 95 look as opposed to 101 to 98. That's just a, that's just a quick aside. That was just something I thought of uh, this morning. But good morning, everyone. Stephen Langford in. Hope you had a fantastic Monday night, my goodness, was it eventful as the Warriors take Game 4, 101, not 96, but 101-98 to as Draymond Green came up huge. And I just want to reiterate this, as I mentioned at the top of the show, but for the Warriors to come through in the way that they did with the emotions that were running through them, you had Steve Kerr. Test positive for COVID. Mike Brown stepped in in his place. Mike Brown getting hired earlier, as it was reported, by the Sacramento Kings. He's going to be the Sacramento Kings head coach next season. And congratulations to him, by the way. Mike Brown. I'll just, I'll just say this. As a, as a guy who's worked... You know, behind the scenes for a lot of the time as the uh, as the Warriors have been making this run here, as the dynastic Warriors have been making this run, I got to say that Mike Brown has just been an absolute joy whenever we've had him on as a guest. And that dude, with the positivity and the energy that he has, I'm so glad that he's got another NBA head coaching NBA head coaching job. So congratulations to Mike Brown there. And, and and by the way, this is another thing. Not only did I have an issue with how people were criticizing Chase Center, they were also criticizing Mike Brown as well. Um, I do want to get to that, but. I don't want to. I don't want to go off track here, as I'm already off track. Not only do you have the emotion of all of that, but you had what uh, happened to Draymond Green. Draymond Green's teammate at Michigan State. He was his roommate for two and a half years. Adrian Payne was tragically shot and killed yesterday. So you had the emotions running high there for for Draymond Green going into this game. And not only that, you find out that you're 
head coach had tested positive for COVID. The assistant coach, Mike Brown, is going to a different team next year. And then on top of that, already you got Game 4 going on at Chase Center, knowing that the next two out of the three are going to be in Memphis. So getting a win to go up 3-1 was going to be crucial. So the emotions just running very high for this game. But to get to Mike Brown, I'm seeing this here. Where was it from the uh, well from the five one zero? Mike Brown is now one and zero in the postseason as the Kings head coach. Then also from the four zero eight, Langford. Did you see some of the tweets about Mike Brown's decisions yesterday? Talking about how he is ready for the Kings' job. Okay, I just want to put this into a little perspective here. I know that you're supposed to be ready to step in right away, and you'd think that, you know, when Shams Sharania, he was the first one to report this, by my account, and by my account, I mean by my tweet notifications, the first notifications that popped on was Shams Sharania, but he was the first one to notify me, personally, send me a text, that Steve Kerr had tested positive for COVID and Mike Brown was going to be stepping in, there could be a thought that, oh, the Warriors knew about this, this just happened to be reported at four o'clock. Like they knew they knew this earlier. They 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 had to have known this earlier. Mike Brown had a whole day to prepare. Well, that wasn't necessarily the case. Mike Brown was asked right out of the gate when he found out that he'd be head co- uh, be the head coach in this game. You know, I was putting the minute sheet together, about to walk out from the national anthem, and Steve called me from his house and said, Mike, you gotta get out there for the anthem and coach. So right before tip off. No. No. Uh, <laughs> Steve called me on his way in about uh 445 and said he just wasn't feeling well and he said there's a chance that he may not be able to coach tonight we've done this drill before i said okay he came in he tested i get a call back at 515 saying that he's out so that that's the time that i found out so an hour and a four an hour and 45 minutes prior to this game after having a great day for himself I mean, after finding out that he's going to be a head coach, something that he's been working toward for the past couple of seasons, I've been shocked that he hasn't gotten a head coaching job already. So, he's already gotten a head coaching gig, and then he finds out that he has to be the head coach in Game 4? I'm going to give Mike Brown a pass on that one and his decision-making. We always want to go right at the coach. But in reality, to me, it wasn't the coaching that was the issue. It wasn't that. The coaching isn't going to knock down the threes. Players play. Coaches coach. And coaches put you in the best situation to win while the players have to execute. And in my opinion, I was actually seeing some open shots by the Warriors. And they were executing there on offense. And some careless turnovers. Like, do we think that Mike Brown said, hey, yeah, make sure you get it to this guy. Make sure you take a shot with 17 seconds left on the shot clock because... That's the perfect that's the that's the perfect way to do it. That's how we want to run through this game. That's our game plan. No. I think the Warriors were forcing a lot. I'm not going to look at Mike Brown. Everyone always goes crazy over the coaching. Like don't listen to Twitter when it comes to coaching. Because everyone thinks that they could do a better job or they understand better than the coaches what to do. And I understand you've been watching this team, you may have been studying this team. But the coaches are the coaches for a reason. So just to go at Mike Brown, on top of all that, I didn't get it. And then also to go after Chase Center, too. Because 
Chase Center, to me, like, I'm not even going to try and compare it to Oracle. Now, granted, there was a time in that game where, uh, where if you're watching on TNT, they had a cutaway after, um, man, was it? I think it was Steph knocked down a three. Somebody knocked down a three in the fourth quarter. I can't exactly remember who it was. But they cut to a fan who's in the first in the first section, and uh, he ain't even cheering. He's just sitting in his seat on the end of the row, not even not even reacting. And so you're thinking, damn, why are these fans not into it at all? Like, how is this not happening? But then when I really think about it, because they're already getting on the fans for what happened in the first quarter, like, neither team was giving this crowd anything to be interested in. Like, you need it to be a back-and-forth game in order for the crowd to get into it. And it just wasn't happening. So we always revert back to, oh, this crowd is an oracle, blah, 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 blah. And I understand all of that. Because it's never going to be Oracle. Oracle was something special, especially with how bad the team was for so long and how dedicated that fan base had been that when they started getting to that mountaintop, when they started to win games, I mean, believe me, I was there in 2013 when the Warriors first started to win playoff series. Like, I was there, and I remember how loud it was getting. But I also remember there were some lulls at times after that because the expectations had been set. And when you're bricking every single three and your first 15 aren't going down, it's really hard for me to just blame the crowd and say that they're not into it. Like It really is. That's just from my perspective. I'd love to say that I'd be loud the entire time. But if anything, I'd be more frustrated. And when I'm frustrated, I'm not one to necessarily yell. I'm not a yeller. I'm more of a quiet, frustrated guy. You know? I, I, I don't know. I don't know if you... Uh, I don't know if that's the type of fan that you are. Like, I, I'd, I'd love to yell at the players, like, knock down a shot! I mean, like, you know, I have one of these memories where... Uh, where I was at an A's game once. They were playing the Red Sox, and Tim Wakefield was pitching for the Red Sox, and he... Uh, and he was pitching a no-hitter through eight innings, and the crowd was just dead silent. But there's a dude in the back who's a, who's just screaming, The dude's throwing 60 miles an hour! See the ball! Hit the ball! There was only one guy in the crowd who was doing that. I think everyone else was just frustrated with the way that it was going. I was just happy to be there. I wasn't an A's fan. I was just happy to be at a game. So there's two different types of fan, and I think a lot of them were feeling that frustration last night, and there just wasn't anything to get them into that game because the Warriors were not playing their brand of basketball. It's just hard for me to look at this game and say, oh, yeah, this is the barometer for which I'm going to judge Chase Center. Like, that's just me. That's just me. And the 408, it's the Richie Rich crowd from the 831. It was a whole section. It's too corporate now uh, from the... Uh, from the six five zero, Mike Brown is the defensive coach, and the Dubs were locked in on uh, on D. Yeah, all of that. I understand. I understand where you're coming from there. It does. It does get me that the fans aren't wearing the shirts. Gonna be honest with you there. I'm, I've said that yesterday, and I'm gonna say it again. Fans, if you go to Chase Center, wear the free T-shirt. It's not just hey, yeah, this is a free T-shirt that you can take home and use it as a memory and, you know, maybe put it up in a frame so you can remember this playoff game that you went to, this historic game four that you went to. No, it's not for that. It could be for that, but it's so you can all wear them in unison. It just hits different. Now, granted, I don't think they had the yellow shirts yesterday. Yellow shirts do hit differently. 
like the FedEx form. They were giving out the yellow shirts, but I was just looking at Twitter and it just feels like we were, you know, trying to find something to complain about. Just trying to find something to complain about. <laughs> like, like, like that's what we do. We find something to complain about, and what we are going to complain about is the shots weren't falling. The coaching, Steve Kerr's not there. That's why the shots aren't going in, and the crowd is too quiet. There was just everything that we, we – we had to find something different, right? A little everything. But who was your MVP? Let's get to the actual game. 888-957-9570 at the Xfinity Mobile text line and the phone number. Who has been not only – your MVP for the game, but the MVP for the series so far after four games because they're up 3-1. Like, I know 3-1 is a very sensitive number for a lot of Warrior fans. I understand that. I get it. I was there on that Father's Day, too, watching that game and watching the Warriors just wither away and well actually they were going toe to toe and then Kyrie hit one of the biggest shots not only in playoff history but in NBA history like Kyrie Irving that shot will forever live in infamy but I do wonder who's been the MVP for uh, for this series for you I understand that it's 3-1 but man it feels like after that sort of loss for the Grizzlies with jaw out and the way that they'd been fighting Because they fought hard. They weren't knocking down any shots. They just weren't. I mean, the Warriors weren't, and the Grizzlies weren't either. I mean, if the Grizzlies just made a couple of more threes here and there, the momentum would have shifted in their favor, and they would actually, they they would have made this game uh, probably a blowout, because that's what it was going towards. That's what it was aiming towards. But the Warriors were 0 for from 3 in the first quarter. Grizzlies had only knocked down 2. And the Grizzlies only knocked down 2 in the second quarter. So it's not like... You know, both teams, one of the teams was playing poorly and the other was playing out of their mind. It was not the case. Both teams were playing poorly. But they're up 3-1 now. And it feels like, even though this series is going back to Memphis, closeout games are tough. And I could see Memphis winning that next game if Jaw is back. But this game's in a couple of... This, this game's tomorrow. And they're not even sure if Jaw can come back. Taylor Jenkins said after the game that... He still remains in doubt. He's really not sure what's going on with Ja. And so if he's not coming back, I don't think the Grizzlies are winning this series. So it feels like the MVP talk is appropriate right now because getting to this point at 3-1, I don't think anyone expected that uh, after after Game 2. So what do you think? 888-957-9570. That's the Xfinity mobile text line and the phone number. From the 925, enough with the shirts. They're hella small. <laughs> really? They're always huge. They're always big. I mean, they, uh, granted, now they, you know, they might shrink if you put them in the wash, but I've had, I got one from 2013, 2015, 2017, and 2019, and none of those have shrank on me. Still going strong. Pretty much wear them every week. <laughs> <laughs> They're the only thing I wear anymore. But again, if you want to weigh in, triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Because I got to tell you that my MVP so far for this series is a guy who has been playing out of his mind. Now he hasn't been unbelievable. He hasn't been scoring the basketball at a rate that's any different than he was in the regular season. But it's the defense and it's the rebounding of one. Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins 
has been locked in throughout this series. Draymond said, even at the even from the beginning of the postseason, Draymond said on his podcast after the first few games against the Nuggets that. Wiggins has been playing as aggressive as he's ever seen him play. And I have to agree with that. Wiggins had two huge stops down the stretch, one of them being with three minutes left. I actually think this was the uh, uh, the catalyst for the Warriors and that run that they were getting down the final minutes of the game. But Mike Brown commented on Andrew Wiggins and just talking about his rebounding and his defense. No, Wiggs was fantastic. This game reminded me of uh, Game 2 in Memphis. Just kind of an ugly, grinded-out game. We weren't really making shots. I thought we moved the ball well enough and we spaced the floor well enough to where we had some great looks. They just didn't go in. The one thing that I felt we just needed to do was just stay with it, stay with it, stay with it, stay with it. And if we did with the way that we were defending and rebounding. Wiggs had 10, Draymond had 11. One of our biggest keys uh, in this series was we don't want to give these guys extra possessions. And so with Wiggs stepping up and doing that, it helped us. It gave us a huge advantage, and our guys stayed with it. And then we made enough shots and free throws down the stretch. And the play that's talked about here is the Wiggins block that led to the layup from Jordan Poole. Here comes Bain to set the screen. He'll flare out, guarded by Wiggins, drives on him, goes up, block! Wiggins roofed it, not the way to Poole. Poole has the dribble. Poole sees the bucket, goes in, glides in, inside hand, and again it's a one-point game. And it all stemmed from Andrew Wiggins. Now, we've had multiple instances where this has happened. Not only with Andrew Wiggins, but Otto Porter Jr., too. But it feels like Wiggins has been doing it, scoring. He's been aggressive trying to dunk the basketball. We didn't exactly see that yesterday. But Wiggins was so good on defense, it's hard to knock whatever he was doing on offense, if anything, because there's always a, well, he was aggressive, but he could have been more aggressive on the offensive end, which may be true. But this small ball lineup that they've been rolling out there, like, think about this. The Warriors have been playing with small guys pretty much all series. Kevon Looney has had limited minutes. As a matter of fact, I've loved the, 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 the minutes that Kevon Looney has put in. He was coming in off the bench yesterday. Jonathan Kaminga ended up getting the start. And in Looney's 15 minutes, he had his 8 points. But in the 15 minutes, he also had 9 rebounds. He was fantastic rebounding the ball yesterday. And a couple of them offensive, too. Uh, Kevon Looney, just always in the right place at the right time. But that's it. And in order for that small ball unit to work, whoever's included in it, and this was including the three-guard lineup, too, when they started in the Nuggets series, not only was the key going to be Draymond and his help defense, but also Andrew Wiggins. Because Andrew Wiggins and Draymond are essentially the front court when you got the three guards in there. And Wiggins has been awesome. Now, rebounding the basketball. You heard Mike Brown there. He said 10 rebounds for Wiggins in this game. Wiggins averaged four and a half during the regular season. Four and a half. half. And ever since the start of this postseason, let's just take a look at his rebounding numbers, shall we? Game one against the Nuggets, nine rebounds. Game two, eight. Game three, six. Game four, six. Game 5, 5. Then you move on to the Grizzlies series. Game 1, 8. 
Game two, nine. Game three, three rebounds. But honestly, how many rebounds are going to be available when your team is shooting at the way the way that they were shooting it? Nobody's going to get any rebounds in that situation. And in last night's game, ten. Five of them on defense, five of them on offense. So the way that they've been able to win these games, I think, is in large part due to what Andrew Wiggins is doing over the course of four quarters. He may not always knock down the shot that you want him to knock down. I mean, that happened in Game 2. There was a crucial miss that Andrew Wiggins had on a wide-open look when Jaron Jackson Jr. had fouled out of that game. You remember that? Three minutes, 36 seconds left. JJJ fouls out. So he wanted him to go to the rack, and then Jordan Poole does just that. Then Steph Curry, on the ensuing possession, goes to the hoop. But then he sees a wide-open Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins misses it. You have those moments. But you can't replace what he's done on defense. And those numbers, too, those rebounding numbers that I just mentioned, those those don't even go so far as to mention the tipped rebounds that he had. Nor the, 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 the forced... The the forced possession on the Grizzlies whenever they're trying to get a defensive rebound and they're just, he's just not letting them get a clean look. Like Wiggins, I think, to me, has been fantastic. Now, we are getting a definitely Steph. No one's been more consistent than he's been. Wiggins, Clay, and Poole couldn't get anything going last night. From the 408, Otto Porter Jr. Hey, I'm going to go back to that stat that I had about a half hour ago. Otto Porter Jr., is a plus 53 right now when he's on the court. That leads the team by a large margin. Jordan Poole is at plus 50. The next up is Andrew Wiggins, who's at plus 17. Like, that's what the plus-minus numbers are looking like right now. So if you think Otto Porter Jr., hey, I'm not going to blame you there. But Otto Porter Jr. was awesome in yesterday's game. And I could take him for the game, but I think I might take Wiggins for the series. He's been just so underrated, in my opinion. From the 510 MVP so far is a toss-up. I got 1A Steph, 1B Wiggins, 1C Dylan Brooks shooting the ball. Dylan Brooks yesterday was awful. He was awful. Now, he had eight assists. He was trying to facilitate. But, man, whenever he would put up shots, it just felt like he was clanking everything. And it all culminated to the last 50 seconds when two out of their final three possessions, Dylan Brooks gets stripped by Klay Thompson. And then he tries taking that shot on the other end, and he clanks it. And then they go on the opposite end, and Jordan Poole gets in a couple of free throws in the fourth quarter. It was just music to the eyes. <laughs> does that even make sense? No, it does not. Whatever. Music to the eyes, whatever. I think that's the new saying now. Music to the eyes. But nevertheless, it was an ugly game, but they won it 101-98. to I couldn't believe that they did. And now they're the only team up 3-1 in their respective series. Now we got to main we got to pay attention now officially to Mavs Suns because you're going to be facing one of those two teams in the Western Conference Finals. Can't wait for that. But coming up next, Bonte Hill, Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky. It is the morning roast here on 95.7 The Game. You got me and producer Sam Lubman behind the glass. They're going to be talking Warriors for the next three hours. And as always, go sports. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.